This is The Good Life and Early Life, a production of Nebraska Extension. I'm your host, Emily Manning, an early childhood extension educator in Seward County. In this episode, we are continuing our interview with Dr. Kirkpatrick, an assistant professor of advertising and public relations at the College of Journalism and Mass Communications. If you haven't already listened to part one of this interview, I highly recommend you listen to that first and then come back and listen to this episode where we continue to discuss navigating motherhood and the wild, wild world of social media. We're going to pick right up where we left off with my next question for Dr. Kirkpatrick. Um, What were some things that helped you when you were a new mother and navigating social media? I think for me, a big thing is I try to be a little more conscious of how I was feeling based off of the posts I was seeing. So there were a few influencers who just every time I would see their posts, like I would feel bad about myself. And so I had to start, you know, kind of recognizing that and asking myself, like, why am I following this person? If they only make me feel terrible, like, is it worth it? And so, you know, unfollowing people is very helpful, but also having a mix of who I follow has been helpful. So I do follow, you know, some of the influencers who only post idealized portrayals, but I also make sure that I have other portrayals showing up on my timelines too. So I'm seeing content that is more realistic, that I can relate to, that helps me remember that I'm not alone in this, that other people are going through the same things. And so in terms of social media, that's kind of how I've dealt with it. But then also it's important to think about our lives outside of social media too. So not spending too much time on it, but also making sure that we kind of foster relationships with real mothers in the real world. So I was very fortunate that um, I had other close friends who became parents around the same time as me. And so having them as a support group to vent to, to hear about experiences from and know that like, okay, we're all dealing with figuring out the bedtime routine situation or the debate of, you know, breastfeeding versus formula. So having real people that you can compare to in real life, not just on social media and share experiences with has been really helpful. I love that advice. That's just really sound advice for new moms and just people in general, just to be critical of their social media usage and how it's impacting them and their mental health and just really being critical. And it can be so hard to, you know, remember that, okay, like, this isn't what real life is like and to like recognize the effects that it's having on you and like get yourself to realize you should take more breaks from it follow different people it can be hard so yeah I think I don't know I probably should have looked into like research on this but I think like we have like a craving for beauty and we really want that in our life and so we enjoy seeing these ideal images because it just satisfies that need for like beauty and order Uh, but we got to balance that with reality too (laughs) which is not always fun to pour a dose of reality on things. but Some some influencers and people on social media make it really fun, though. There's one um, person on TikTok I recently came across who she does, like, these, like, tours of her house to show just how chaotic things are. She's like, yeah, before we had our kids, my husband and I, like, promised each other no toys in the living room. Like, they'd stay in the playroom. And now look at their living room. Like, there's toys (laughs) everywhere. She showed, like, a half-eaten strawberry in, like, the night stand and it's just like it's <laughs> that's chaos. just life like, yeah that's, that's what it's like like it's so realistic and it makes you laugh and like remember like okay like what's happening it's okay like, other people are going through this just like I am yes how can we use social media to be supportive because like you said everyday users can be 
a form of like these idealized images and we can have an impact on others. So how can we use this to be supportive of other people? I think we've kind of talked about it a little bit. Yeah. Um, So I think um, just being kind of conscious of what we're posting. So we all want to post the happy, perfect, fun posts. And that's okay. Like we should be able to do those things. We should be able to brag about our kids and share the happy, exciting moments that we have. It's just important to also think about, you know, what effects we might be having with our posts and, you know, maybe consider sharing some of the stuff that's not so idealized. So not worrying about how clean the house is or how well-dressed the kid is before posting, but also maybe showing also some of the difficulties that are associated. I have tried really hard to do a better job of this since doing this research because I was, you know, putting a lot of just positive idealized content out there but now I make a point to you know talk about the difficulties too you know when my kid didn't want to go to daycare and communicated that to me by throwing his hat in the toilet um, I took a picture of it and was like you know what this is how our morning's going like how's yours (laughs) Um, and then we also um, have a bit of a unique situation in that um, our son has some pretty bad developmental delays and that's been really stressful for us but we've kind of shared about it and been open about it on social media Um, and that's been really great because people that are in my social media network who are going through the same things as me but I didn't even realize it have reached out and be like hey this is what we went through this is what worked and didn't work for us you know every situation is so different but to know that someone else has gone through this and to get to hear their experience can be really helpful especially at a time when you feel really isolated and discouraged and so you know being a support system, reaching out to people that we can, you know, provide support to, but also showing those more realistic portrayals. All of this can be kind of a way to help each other out and just create a community, which I think is the most important thing is to be there for each other through the good and the bad. Yeah. So just being a community, reaching out to people, being supportive, being mindful and intentional about what we post so that we're posting a more well-rounded image of our life, I think can be helpful. Yeah, go ahead. That um, like kind of comes up for me and I know other mothers too and thinking about what we post online is like we're posting pictures of our children a lot of times without them knowing or giving their consent to. And so like, do we want to put, you know, pictures of them crying on the internet to live forever just so that we can look more, you know, relatable. But I think social media has some options for us to kind of, you know, do this in a way that's not feeling quite as significant in terms of it living on forever. So I tend to use like the Instagram stories and reels feature a lot to kind of show these things. Like I don't want this picture of, you know, my kid putting something in the toilet to be on my feed forever, but I can, Mm -hmm. you know, put it up there temporarily for people to see and have access to. And it still helps to curate that balance of the good and the bad and give more of a look into what our lives are really like. That's something that I've thought about a lot um, with the consent feature with kiddos because they can't give consent. And this is just so new, I think, to a lot of us because when I was young, my mom would take a picture, like a funny picture of me, and she'd print it out and it would just stay in like the family photo album. And we had a lot of control over who got to see those photos. Um, But now like anybody could pop on to like a mom's social media page and like look through and like see this history so it's kind of interesting and it's it's a fine line to walk and I don't want to put more pressures on new moms but it's definitely something that I've thought about as well like your advice though of like being able to share that but do it in a way that isn't permanent like by keeping it on the story still you know people can screenshot it or it can still show up down the road but you know just being a little more mindful about how we're posting it 
what we're posting, once our kids get old enough to be able to have a conversation about what we're posting and listening to kind of what their wishes are, I think all of that's important too. Yeah, definitely agree with that. You talked about communities and groups that kind of found you on social media. Have you found like specific communities and groups that have like become really organized and are very focused on supporting new moms that are using social media very intentionally? Kind of the first thing that comes to mind, which this isn't social media, but it's still a form of mediated communication was a big one for me was um, the Baby Center website. And oh. um, they like create a support group for people that have the same like um, birth month as you. Oh, I love that. Because it was all mothers who, you know, gave birth in May of 2020 or around then, yeah. you know, we we're all going through this pandemic baby situation together. Um, and you could ask each other different questions and give advice and share experiences. Um, and that was really cool because we were all going through it at the same time and our kiddos were all around the same age. So like it was easy to be able to make comparisons that were more relevant because we were all in the situation together and having kids the same age. But on social media, there's also like opportunities for that too. Um, so my son was diagnosed with autism earlier this year. And so since then, we like I joined an autism support group on Facebook, which can be a bit overwhelming at times. And I tend to like I unfollow it, but then we'll go there if I'm seeking advice or want to read about a certain situation or see what other people have been through in their experiences. But that can be a great way to, again, find those people who are similar to you, going through similar things, learn from their experiences. I also am in like a group on Facebook for just like this workout gear that I really like. Um, and there's like a mom's group for like moms who wear this workout <laughs> brand. And it's great. It's, it's just a bunch of women like supporting each other and cheering each other on and, you know, asking about their adoption experiences or their experiences giving birth. And like, so there's just so many different ways that these support groups can kind of cultivate. And you kind of have to dig and find them sometimes, you know, depending on what exactly you're interested in. But a lot of the times there's just a ton out there to find and they're pretty supportive. I mean, it's just a good way to kind of get to know other people that maybe you don't know in real life, but that can connect with you and help you feel like you're not alone in this. I really love your story about the workout gear being this like common experience that has like bonded you together. And then you're sharing all these like struggles and everyday experiences. And it's just and it's because you love workout gear, like the right. same brand. That's so I love yeah. that. I love that. But I, I think it just shows that like there's anything that you're interested in or really passionate about, there's a niche for you in social media and you will find belonging. And so don't be afraid of, of searching that out. And that sense of belonging could be very like validating and helpful and just give you kind of like a light in the darkness, I think. Yes. Yeah. For me, it's definitely just, you know, it's a way to like celebrate other people and what they're going through and their successes, but also a way when you're going through challenges to get input from other people who've been through the same thing and to hear what has worked for them so that you can try to figure out what's going to work for you in your situation. Yeah. That's the beauty of social media. And so there's beauty and then there's that dark side of yes, social media and got to wade through it all, wade through it all. So I'm just kind of been chewing over the idea of like kind of like the motivations and the role of these like idealized images of motherhood in the media. And I think a quote from the article, which I think is like right at the beginning, kind of like points out to like what I'm thinking. But I'm going to read this quote. 
um, from the article, it says, furthermore, global fertility rates are falling with many women choosing not to have children or choosing to have fewer children than mothers of past generations, which is from Gallagher 2020. As there are many factors influencing these decisions for women, it is important to understand the role of media ecosystem and its communication technologies that mothers and potential mothers are in as the pressures from social media could influence when and if a woman decides to have children. Ultimately, kind of what that part of the article is touching on is this idea that, you know, we get to choose, you know, whether or not we want to have children. And a lot of people in these days are choosing not to have children. And there's a lot of reasons for that, where they're choosing to have less kids. You know, when I, um, my husband and I were talking about our family and what we wanted, I wanted four children. <laughs> and now that I've had my son, I'm like, mm, he'll be lucky if he gets simply <laughs> it's just so much harder than yeah I thought it was gonna be um plus we've you know had unexpected things come up too but you know having a child is a huge thing and it's very difficult for a lot of different reasons you know both in terms of you know the physical effects of it but also you know it's expensive to have a kid especially in today's world and you know it's not easy to afford daycare and still be able to work and feel like you're doing a good job in these different roles or even find daycare in Nebraska (laughs) for sure oh my goodness the wait lists are insane yes but so there's a lot of different factors that influence you know when and if we choose to have children but I strongly believe based on this research that the the media can play into those effects too and so the media helps you know communicate this message of like having children is a fun important enjoyable thing you should do but you also need to be an amazing wife or a partner an amazing person at work you know a professional you need to be able to succeed in all of these roles but that's not physically possible you cannot you know be the best at every single one of these things that you're trying to do like something always has to give and so you know the the increased pressure that the media puts on mothers I think plays into how we are feeling emotionally and where we're at in terms of our mental health and that can influence you know whether or not we want to have more children or have a family at all and yeah thinking back to those celebrity mom profiles in the 70s and 80s you know they did communicate this message of you know like your life isn't complete until you have a child which definitely was affecting women back then and making them feel like oh my gosh I have to have a kid and I'm sure some of that is still happening now especially Mm -hmm. you know with some messaging that is put out online but I do tend to see a lot of messaging from people I follow about like how they've chosen not to have children and how they're happy with that decision and you know that's what's right for them and I think that's what's important is that we're all different people we all have different desires and backgrounds and experiences and what's right for one person isn't right for another and I think you know that's part of what we need to cultivate on social media too is recognizing those differences and recognizing that what I want isn't the same as what everyone else wants and that's okay like we should respect what goals and plans other people have for their lives but yeah I think the media you know plays into what we think our goals should be and what we should be doing and that can be stressful Absolutely. So I really enjoyed reading about your research and you're relatively new to the research field. And so I'm excited for the future that you're going to have here at UNL. Will you be building on this research in the future and what can we expect from you? Yes, I hope so. So right now I'm working on a paper that um, is very similar in terms of kind of this idea of the effects of idealized portrayals of motherhood on social media. But I want to look at how certain mothers may be more susceptible to the harmful effects. So, um, you know, 
know, if you tend to be someone who just doesn't have great self-esteem in life, are you more detrimentally affected by these portrayals? And there's also a term called social comparison orientation that refers to like how important social comparisons are to us individually. So some people are more inclined to compare than other people. And so I'm looking at differences in mothers in terms of, you know, how someone's social comparison orientation influences how the effects um, or the posts influence them. And then I'm also looking at some different outcomes. So instead of just envy and anxiety, how are these posts um, influencing things like our life satisfaction and how we perceive our parenting abilities? So do these posts make us feel worse about our ability to be a parent? So, you know, there's a lot of different outcomes involved in this and that these posts may be affecting. And so I really want to explore that more. I'd also love to um, kind of look at like the other side of this, seeing how we could create strategic messaging to help mitigate these negative effects. So how can we, like as strategic health communicators, help women recognize that this is happening um, and know how they can do things to help them not have negative effects from it. So I'm not sure what that'll look like yet, but I'd love to explore how we can help curb this problem for mothers too. Yeah. Yeah. You talked about in your um, article and I think in your Lincoln Journal Star interview too, that you wanted to like have hospitals start creating educational videos for new moms talking about what's happening to kind of prepare them. So when I had my son, my husband and I weren't allowed to leave the hospital until we had watched a series of videos. Oh my goodness. That's really controlling. Very outdated and needed to be. Um, like a video on like the benefits of breastfeeding, a a video about um, like SIDS and shaken baby syndrome and basically all these different things that they wanted to warn you about. And they were all very focused on the child, which is of course important, but what about the mother? You know, there's no reason why we can't also have these resources that help mothers to recognize that this is a problem and that this could happen to them. And so what are the signs that, you know, can help you realize that this is happening? How can you cope with this and get help? And so I think that having some form of communication that, you know, is there in place to help mothers with this would be really awesome. Yeah, definitely. Definitely helpful. And especially like right from the get go and having that support. Yeah. And maybe even a movement to create, to post more realistic photos of motherhood. Any final thoughts you want to share? Um, You know, every day is a journey (laughs) with, you know, being a researcher and a mom and being someone on social media, you know, it's so hard to you know, just go through the day-to-day action sometimes. But, you know, I think we just, you know, need to take things a day at a time and remember that we are all in this together. So, you know, we all choose what we show online and we create this depiction of ourselves that we put out there in the world. But, you know, not being afraid to share some of the stuff that we might not at first be inclined to share is important. And, you know, being supportive of each other and recognizing all of the difficulties that are associated with motherhood. You know, it's just important to keep these things, you know, kind of top of mind and be there for each other. Great. Awesome. Um, so if listeners want to start following you and hearing updates from you, how can they do that? Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me on social media. Um, What's your handle? <laughs> you can see my, uh, my mix of idealized and non-idealized portrayals of our motherhood experience. <laughs> so yeah, people can find me on social media for one. Um, my Instagram is Dr. underscore Sierra underscore K. So that's D-R underscore C-I-E-R-A 
A underscore K, Dr. C or K. Um, you'll see mostly just photos of my son and dog, but um, kind of can see how I'm trying to curate that mix of the idealized and non-idealized portrayals of our parenting and family experiences. Um, I'm also on Twitter, LinkedIn, Google Scholar, Facebook, um, pretty much you can find me anywhere. I have a TikTok, but uh, I just use it for research purposes. <laughs> what other people are posting. I haven't really jumped into posting myself. Um, my Twitter handle is the same as my Instagram, Dr. Sierra K. Um, so yeah, that's a great way to keep up with me. You can also reach me by email. I'm always happy to yeah chat about what I'm researching and hear about what other ideas people have or how my research might be influencing them and getting them to think about things differently. Yeah. And what's your email? Is it your name? It is. Yeah. It's Sierra, C-I-E-R-A dot Kirkpatrick, K-I-R-K-P-A-T-R-I-C-K at UNL.edu. Great. Thank you so much. So if you um, liked what Dr. Kirkpatrick uh, mentioned today, please go and follow her, email her and follow her on Twitter, all of the things, because this is amazing. She has some really great stuff going out there. And I just want to thank you for being on the podcast today, sharing your research results, sharing your knowledge and um, sharing your experiences as a new mom. I think that's really important for our listeners to hear. And I think it's really relevant for Nebraska mothers, too, because they're experiencing this. Yeah. And, you know, so it's it's important to think about the moms and their health, but it's also important to recognize that, you know, if we're not taking care of ourselves and in a healthy place as mothers, then we can't take care of our kids, too. So, you know, it all trickles down and affects them, too. And so this is just, yeah, a really important topic and something that I'm really passionate about. And I really appreciate it for the opportunity to share about this. And I appreciate your enthusiasm and interest in it. It's been great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you once again. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Come back anytime. Awesome. Sounds great. <laughs> Thank you so much. You bet. This has been an episode of The Good Life and Early Life, a production of Nebraska Extension and the Early Childhood Team. If you like the show, subscribe and tell your friends to listen. The show production team is Emily Manning, Dr. Holly Hatton, Ingrid Lindahl, Aaron Campbell, Linda Reddish, Kim Wellsant, and Katie Krause. See you next time, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.